When it comes to threat intelligence, context is king. Hi, I'm Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm speaking today with Rich Raybach. He's CTO with Brightpoint Security. Rich, everybody today seems to be talking about threat intelligence. But in what ways, in your experience, do you find that organizations are actually missing the boat? So what we see oftentimes is people run quickly to either, you know, the, the Gartner Magic Quadrant, here's the list of threat intelligence vendors that you need to have, or they go and they consume 10, 15 different open source feeds, but really don't have a strategy. And so what do you do with the data? What are you going to do with the threat intelligence once you know about it? And so having that concerted program that actually is able to process the intelligence and make sense of it and determine how you want to act on it for your organization. Security teams are already overwhelmed with information that they're getting from their own tools and technologies, from their vendors, from the Internet. And so adding yet more data in the form of threat intelligence to an already overwhelmed security team just makes that job even harder. And so if you're already missing the needle on the haystack, adding more data is just going to make that haystack bigger. Oftentimes what we see, we see organizations aren't prepared for dealing with the influx of the information, and they wind up taking a very manual approach to everything. And they don't, they don't get the benefit of the threat intelligence. They don't get the benefit of the relevancy and the context because they suddenly start to scramble. And so there's diminished value when you're really not prepared for it organizationally from a workflow perspective, from an automation perspective, to deal with new information. And then you're doing a disservice to your organization and, and, and what you're trying to accomplish. Rich, from your perspective, what would you say are some of the key elements to ensuring success with threat intelligence? So I talked a little bit about it in the first question, but you got to start with the automation. Right? You can't just dump this on the security team, on the threat intelligence analyst, and expect them to be able to keep up. These threat feeds are large, sometimes thousands, tens of thousands of indicators, IP addresses, MD5 hashes, URLs. You've got to be able to process the information quickly and easily and make sense of it. And it has to start with the automation. So you have to build the automation in as you build your TI program. It's not something you can bolt on later. We've all tried that in our careers. So oh, we'll get to the automation after we figure this out manually. You wind up getting caught and going on to the next thing, and you never get back to the automation. And again, the program isn't as effective as it can be. And then understanding what it means to you, making sense of that data becomes important. So being able to connect it to your environment, not just have the spreadsheet or not just have the text file of the feed, but actually being able to do something with it in your environment. And so automating it, bring it into your environment so it actually has some value, some actionable value where it's, it's, it's making your defenses better is really those two key components of that program. Make it easy, make it automated, and then actually push it into your platforms and into your programs so it's doing what it's supposed to do. When we started this conversation, I made the point that context is king. Well, Rich, why is it king? And how must threat intelligence best incorporate context to be successful? Great question. So context, so, so when you get these threat intelligence feeds, wherever they might come from, understanding how they and what they mean to you is super critical and super important to determining what you're going to do about it. And so if it's a list of IP addresses, you know, maybe those are customer addresses. Maybe those are people just browsing your website. How do we know that they're bad? Just because I got them from this feed or I got them from that service, um, should I just assume 
not that bad. We've seen instances where people take feeds directly and push them to their firewalls, push them to their IDS, and wind up blocking legitimate traffic to a e-commerce portal or, or to their application set, which then has all kinds of downstream applications around customer service and, and revenue impacts. And so making sense of the information, putting it into its context. I'm in healthcare, so are these indicators those which are attacking similar healthcare companies like me? And if they've been attacking, what have they been doing? Have they been attacking Windows servers or Linux, Linux servers? Well, I don't run Windows, so I'm okay. So understanding the nature and the behavioral aspects of the indicators is the mechanism by which we define as context. And so if, if these are not relevant to healthcare, cool, good. I'm not going to worry about these right now because I've got a whole bunch of others that are super important I'm going to get to. And so the context really helps separate the noise from the real information that I need to get after to protect my organization. Well, Rich, let's bring this back to Brightpoint security. How do you use context to pinpoint specific threats that are relevant? Yeah, we talk a lot about those two terms, relevancy and context, and, and they, they really go hand in hand. And so if I understand how bad something is, it's relative infamy, as it were, out in the world, well, how do I, how do I bring that context back to me? and make it relevant to my organization. And so what Brightpoint does is we connect to your infrastructures, your SIMs, your intrusion detection systems, your endpoint protection systems, and we look for what we call sightings or occurrences of those indicators. And so if I get a, if I get a spreadsheet today from, from let's call it the FBI, and it's got 25,000 IP addresses that are related to a recent denial of service attack that's been happening, I can understand the context, for the denial of service, Brightpoint would provide additional what we call enrichment information around historical behaviors of what those indicators might be doing. In this case, they've been part of a denial of service. And then we look to see in where in your environment across multiple data centers, where do we see similar sightings and occurrences of those indicators that have actually happened to you? And we pinpoint where specifically in your environment on which specific servers those occurrences have happened. And so if I can take this feed and I can tell you quickly that these are these 15 out of the 25,000 are really bad, and they're on those two servers sitting in the data center in San Francisco, those are the two servers you need to do the work on and investigate. And so that's how we apply the relevancy and the context to quickly move you out of the discovery process and move you into the incident response and mitigation process, which is really what the security analysts are paid for solve the security problems that are currently attacking the organization. So Brightpoint is about that, about that automation, about making it happen quickly, about pinpointing specifically where you need to spend your time right now to solve your security problems. Well, Rich, maybe you can share a customer example or two just to sort of bring this whole notion of context and threat intelligence to life for us. Sure. There's uh, <laughs> some good examples. There's uh, one we had recently where uh, it was actually a, a pilot that we uh, were working through and I've just actually closed contract on. But we plugged in, first day, first hour, set it all up, takes about 15 minutes, gets you up and running. And we bring some feeds directly from the product that you can subscribe to. So suddenly you've plugged in, you've got Brightpoint, you've already got the, the beginnings of a threat intelligence program. And we were working through which feeds we should subscribe to. And I said, let's, let's choose the malware feed because we're pretty good at this. You know, we block all the malware. We know it's not going to find anything. And there will be a good validation of the fact that it's working because it's not finding anything. 
except it didn't. It found four workstations on their environment that were attempting to connect to an IP address, which was part of the malware feed that was hosting some command and control server software. And they didn't believe it at first. Like, no, it's not true. It's not those four workstations. We block this all the time. They called up their SIM team, their operations team, and they said, hey, can you quickly run a database query about these four workstations and tell me what you see? Sure enough, hidden in the mass of the information were four attempts, just four single web requests from a browser out to the Internet to those four servers. Very, very difficult to find, you know, without a threat intelligence program. Very, very difficult to find for a human as he's trying to read through a scrolling log of a SIM feed that there's actually a problem. And so sure enough, we're sitting there you know, our first day on site, and we're fighting a problem, and they're doing the investigation and the incident response right as we were sitting there. So it was a really great use case where, where it isn't just that the things we don't know that are going to hurt us. It's sometimes the things we think we know really well but we're actually wrong about that are getting nails in the end. And so this was, was, was a really great use case. Plugged in, found it, repositioned and reoriented their understanding of their environment, and then they're able to go solve the problem. And so we've got a bunch of uses, use cases that work like that. The other, the other use case we often talk about is we've got, you know, early, I'd say earlier this year, we had a number of different healthcare um, attacks. And you know, as the product was emerging, as we, had, as we had a growing customer base, there were some in the industry that were using us and some that hadn't gotten to it yet. And so we had a good comparison between somebody who was using our product and was able to make a determination in minutes about the attacks that have been going on and the impact to them as well as the impact to their industry, whereas another actually had to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars on consulting fees to give them the exact same answer, and it took two weeks. And so they, you know, they were talking and kind of laughing amongst each other that, wow, we could have done this. I knew exactly what was happening, and hey, your consultants weren't any better than our software. And so changing the dynamic of how we respond, of how we manage these industry incidents and these kind of community-based attacks can change and can be different when you take an approach like Brightpoint has done. And it gives you really instant what's happening to me right now and is it happening to anybody else right now response versus the way we used to do it, where we used to bring in red teams and SEAL teams. And, you know, they would help traipse through our organization, manually go through logs to understand and determine the impact. And so I kind of know which way I'd like to be <laughs> if I was uh, sitting in the seat still. Now, one of the things that fascinates me about Brightpoint security is your trusted circles concept. So if you could please, tell us how threat intelligence is improved by the trusted circles concept, and how do you see that evolving? Sure. So here's the deal. We've been trying to solve this security problem the same way for certainly as long as I've been here, you know, 20, 25 years now. And it's not getting better. It's not getting easier. Most people would agree when surveyed. In fact, this is, you know, there's a lot of great articles on this recently that it's harder now than it was two years ago. Yet we're seeing more public attacks. We're seeing more visibility into the types of attacks. It seems nearly every week now we've got some data leakage somewhere happening to some really big company. So we've got to do something different. The bad guys are collaborating. I can go lease a botnet that will bring down your network for you know, a couple hundred bucks. They're coordinating in the types of malware they're developing and, and they're sharing it amongst each other and turning it essentially into a commercial software offering. 
But we don't do that on the defensive side, um, at least not to the rigor and degree that enables us to defend in a community approach. And so that's what our trusted circle concept is about. It's about connecting other companies together in a safe, private, non-attributable way that allows them to share critical, real-time security threat data from things that are actually happening to them, not, in, not arbitrary internet feeds, not arbitrary source feeds. These are things that are happening to me that my SIM is yelling about, that my firewalls are yelling about. Let me, let me sanitize this. Let me share this with my community in such a way that allows us to essentially do a global correlation so we can identify a campaign. We can identify attack that's happening to multiple organizations in the same industry so we can respond as an industry. So we can respond with the same types of defense and say, we're all going to block this, or hey, we're going to get a call together of the 15 leading healthcare or financial services companies so that we can figure out what the right approach to this is because we each have a piece of the puzzle. And so really turning the tables on the, on the offense that are trying to attack and put a much stronger defense in place, giving us a much stronger view into what's actually happening across the industry. So if there's a denial of service attack, let's make sure we block all those addresses, not just the 1,500 that I see attacking me, but all 10,000 there are attacking all of us in the financial services sector. Let's all do it at the same time and quickly and now in real time while also protecting the sanctity and the attribution of the entities that are responding so it could be a community-based approach, a sharing-based approach to collaborative defense. And that's, that's really the heart of the trusted circle, is, this, is the technical patented mechanisms that allow you to do that in a safe, you know, private, non-attributable fashion. Well, great in theory, as you know. Everybody buys into the concept of information sharing and threat intelligence. But why has it been so difficult for organizations really to practice the sharing of threat intelligence? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think notionally we think it's difficult, but, you know, going back even into 1999, 2000, 2001, in you know, some of my early days on Wall Street, we were sharing information back then. We were getting together at, at restaurants. We were getting together at various companies' headquarters and talking about what was actually happening to each other. It was very person-to-person -person in a very trusted, short, small group of, of, of security leaders, but we were even sharing back then. And so what we're talking about now is the barriers to really company-to-company -company or, or, or scale in terms of sharing, and, and there are hurdles. <laughs> absolutely hurdles, right? We are worried about accidentally leaking information that might put somebody else in a negative light. So if I, if I share with you the series of indicators that have been attacking me and you go block them and they turn out to be wrong, well, am I liable now that you potentially block some of your customers? So there's, so there's liability concerns associated with, with sharing accidentally leaking the wrong pieces of information. I was trying to share an IP address. It turns out I also, in that same file, shared three credit card numbers. Well, that's a problem as well. And so it's making sure that the scope of the information is limited specifically to you know, external indicators, things that are non-attributable, things that are non-compliance um, driven from a data management perspective. So there's hurdles around that. There's hurdles around finding people to share with. You know, I just don't want to publish to anybody, you know, I want, to, I want to be clear and concise about who I'm partnering with on this stuff so I can understand, again, the context of the information. 
And then there's regulatory hurdles, which, you know, nice, thankfully, are, are starting to, uh, you know, come down now with some of the executive orders that have been issued by the by the president and, and things we're seeing out of Congress where, hey, we're opening up. We don't want this to be a, a, a monopolistic type of practice. It's good when you share. And so you've got to find technologies and solutions and mechanisms that overcome those hurdles. And so solutions like, you know, what Brightpoint provides, keeping your data local. You know, we're not sharing your data across the cloud system. It stays local. It stays resident. You stay in control. You make the determination of what gets shared and what doesn't get shared, leveraging policies and automation and, 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 and protections. You determine, you control who you share with, not Brightpoint, not some other organization, but you're in control of your trusted circles and the membership of those trusted circles. And so making sure that you're able to address each of those hurdles in a satisfactory manner, if we can do that, if we can do that at scale, if we can do that across you know, open standards in such a way that allows this information to flow, then I think you're going to see those, those hurdles come down as people become more comfortable with the concept. Because frankly, they see the benefit. They see the value. For our customers, they know how it works. They see it. They see how they can change their security organization. But it's something you have to get comfortable with and evolve to and, 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 and practice with. It's, you know, it's exercising new muscles as a security discipline. And, you know, we're helping to really, really, you know, create the exercises by which to do that. Well, Rich, that's very well said. Thank you so much for your time and your insight today. Great. Thanks for having me. The topic has been threat intelligence and why context is king. I've been speaking with Rich Raybach, CTO and Senior Vice President of Engineering at Brightpoint Security. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.